production of Pioneer Utility Resources. Story Connect, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. What are some ways that you can improve your written storytelling? That's what we'll be talking about on this episode of Story Connect Podcast. My name is Andy Johns, your host with Pioneer Utility Resources, and I'm joined on this episode by Kim Trevathan, an author and writing professor at Maryville College, who is also one of our speakers at the Story Connect Conference. We'll talk about that in a minute, but Kim, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. So this is it's kind of fun for me. I had read a couple of Kim's books uh, a few years back about his um, uh, his paddles on the Tennessee River and the Cumberland River. So we'll try not to geek out too much on uh, on that and, and focus on the writing. But um, Kim will be the writing instructor that we're having at our Story Connect um, uh, conference and workshop coming up in Gatlinburg, March 8th to 10th. If you have not registered, there is still time. Uh, the hotel rooms are getting a little scarce, but um, you should still be able to find a, uh, a spot to stay. And storyconnect.com has all of the details. Kim will be uh, joining Robin Conover, who was a, a previous episode. Uh, she's a photography coach for the uh, session or for the conference. And so between the two of them, it's a pretty pretty strong one-two punch there for um, both the, the written side and the visual side of storytelling for your magazines or other communication projects. So Kim, we've got the commercial out of the way. Um, we can focus on uh, wh- what you're going to be talking about. And you've got a couple sessions. Um, let's talk about the 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 main session. Um, you're thinking right now kind of five ways to improve written storytelling is what you'll be talking about, right? That's correct. Yes. And so some of those ways, let's dive in and get into them. So um, now you have written, in addition to the books, and I guess we should talk a little bit about those. Um, your latest one is Against the Current. I haven't read that one yet, but but tell us about that book and then some of the, the other books that you've done, and then we'll get into some of the uh, the columns and, and other work. Okay. Uh, well, to talk about the fourth book, I, I need to mention my first book, uh, right. which was... Uh, which was based on a, a canoe trip I did down the Tennessee River in 1998. So uh, that that was uh, an eventful trip, and that resulted in my first book by the University of Tennessee Press. And I took a, a dog named Jasper along with me on that trip. So 20 years later, and uh, when the when the 20 year anniversary of that trip started to come around, I started to think, well, I could do the Tennessee River again and just see how it's changed in 20 years. Now, and so no, notably, the the first time you did it, you went with the river. This time, I decided I won't just do the same trip going down river. I'll go up river and also see how that changes things. Um, and to add into the mix, of course, my dog Jasper wasn't alive after twenty years. Uh, I I went out and got a, a new dog named Maggie, uh, and she was a ten month old puppy. And let's just say she's. Uh, overly enthusiastic in terms of uh social she's, right. she's a very social dog so there you go so uh, she provided a lot of good content and a lot of tension in that story and i found that going upstream is a lot different than going downstream in terms of locking through dams and i also went in the spring versus the late summer uh as on the first trip so there were a lot of differences and i discovered a lot of things about the river going upstream and about myself. So a lot, a lot of the book is about aging too. I turned mm-hmm. 60 on, um, on the upstream trip. So I celebrated, okay. celebrated my birthday at a 
camping at a public park in uh, in Alabama. So paddling the entire length of the Tennessee River downstream uh, was too easy. So you waited till you're 20 years older and decided to go upstream to do it. So, sounds like a lot of work to me, but I, I'm excited to get into the book um, as soon as we get past this conference planning and I have time to to do things like read books again. Um, but mm -hmm. I'm excited about it. Now you are Thanks. from you're you're in East Tennessee now, but you are from Murray, Kentucky. One of your other books was on the Cumberland River. I don't know. We have a lot of folks from Middle Tennessee and Kentucky um, who listen to the podcast. So tell us briefly just a little bit about that one before we dive back in. Yeah, I'm from Murray, Kentucky, which is in in uh, western Kentucky, far western Kentucky, and it's actually on the Tennessee River. It's it's toward the the end of the Tennessee River uh, near Kentucky Dam, Kentucky Lake. Yep. Um, but the the Cumberland, I got interested in the Cumberland uh, pretty you know pretty soon after that first book. I wanted to do another one. Didn't take a dog on this one. I took a photographer, Randy Russell, with me. Uh, okay. So the pictures are probably better in this book. Uh, but we <laughs> yeah the headwaters we started at uh, Harlan, Kentucky, mm -hmm. uh, which is famous for a lot of for a lot of reasons. Uh, yeah, not and, a lot uh, of them good, but yeah, yeah, it's famous, infamous, yeah. yeah. It was it was a it was a great trip and uh, and a lot a lot of that the first ninety miles uh, or, or the first third of that was a on a lot of moving water uh, so so free flowing uh, Cumberland before we got um, to the first dam so so that made it a lot a lot more interesting and and, and much different than the Tennessee River for me and, and we did go downstream on this one and we did portage around Cumberland Falls if anybody's wondering about that. It's, <laughs> a pretty That's, good obstacle yeah i would say so with the um you know whether you're in the daytime without the moon bow or whether you're coming through that's that's the one that has the moon bow i think that's pretty famous there but well we could we could like i said i could geek out on on the trips themselves because that's that's right in kind of my my wheelhouse of of you know wanting to adventure but um i'm sure that if folks come to the um the story kind of conference they'll hear they'll get a chance to hear more of of those stories but one of the things that that you mentioned that is important to um, to your writing, um, and I think that people could hear about it there, whether you're talking about the photographer or the dog or, or yourself, is characterization and kind of building those characters. And and really, that's true whether you're writing a um, a book that's you know 260 pages, or whether you're writing an article. It's important to to develop those characters. Yeah, it, it is. And uh, on these trips, on these long trips, I took, uh, of course, met a lot of people. And uh, there's something about going along with a with just a dog instead of another person. I, I think I had I think I met a lot more people uh, with uh, with just Maggie and, and, and Jasper along than I did when Randy went along. But Randy is really outgoing and uh, also also uh, got us uh, in contact with uh, with other people. And that was one of the highlights of the trip, uh, and I remember there's a, there's a lot of interactions we had, but uh, in particular, I remember uh, coming upon this uh, ranger, Stuart Bryant. Uh, in we were still in Kentucky, uh, close to Wolf Creek Dam, and he came he came up to us, he motored up to us in his boat, and he goes, he says, uh, "What are you doing? Just looking at us in the canoe?" Right. And we said, "We're we're canoeing the length of the Cumberland River." He waited a couple of beats and he said, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> of course, he was just kidding. Uh, and later on, he said, do you want me to arrest you uh, for the, you know, for the photo? Op? Uh, but he he had a great sense of sort of a deadpan humor. And, and you try to, you know, remember what people say 
I, had, I, I took a little recorder with me, uh, which, by the way, uh, the Cumberland River took from me a little bit later. I dropped out of my life jacket into the river, so I had to furiously take notes to catch up Oops. on things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but what people say and, and what they look like and, and and the tone of what they say is, is really important to get in get into a book and uh just randy himself was a character too he we disagreed about country, uh, country music he loved today's country and uh I, I like the old school stuff you know hank williams senior not junior there you go. Uh, yeah. so so we had little conflicts in the boat as well and that uh i hope came across as, as humorous and good natured in the book as well in the cumberland book that could be good for hours of uh, of debate and entertainment um, as you're uh, as you're paddling, and I'm sure you had uh, quite a few of those. That that gets into a little bit. Um, so if somebody is a is a magazine writer, and and I know you've written columns and, and shorter pieces too. So in a book, you really had the luxury of more space to to develop some of those characters. Um, I think one of the other things that you're going to talk about is kind of selecting the details and how to be selective about what details you include. Um, but building those characters out, even if it's a 500 word piece or a thousand word piece, um, in a magazine, there's still some opportunities to, to get into characters a little bit and, and, you know, kind of paint the picture for folks, even if you don't have quite as much space as you do in a book. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, you can, you can do it. And, and of course, yeah, in a, in a column, uh, I had an outdoor column for uh, for the Metro Pulse, which is the weekly in in Knoxville, and for the Knoxville Mercury, uh, also an outdoor column. And you know, uh, with with the outdoor columns, when you're going outside, you want to use descriptive language, and you want people to feel as if they were there with you. Um, but you can't overdo it. You have to you have to think. Well, you know, what is the what is the gist of this experience that I want to convey to the to the reader and and, and where am I going overboard with with description and where what's what's the what's the thing that I want to um, to highlight in the piece? And I'll, I'll use an example from a late column. This was actually the the last column I did for the Mercury um, before it, before it went out of business. And uh, this was uh, on Chilhowee Lake. And pretty soon uh, in that in that trip, I went with Dr. Crane, who's a biologist, Dr. Drew Crane. At, at Maryville College, and we were going, we were paddling uh, on Chilhowee up to a campsite. And pretty soon after we put it in, uh, we saw something going across the river and uh, in front of us, kind of squiggling across the river. And, and Drew said, hey, there's a snake over there. <laughs> and so, uh, we, of course, being curious, we paddled toward the snake. And um, we got closer and closer to it, and he said, it's a copperhead and so i slow he goes slow down slow down and yeah. i had to get the the tele the photo telephoto lens to, to get out a, a to get a, a photo of it which is which was a little bit blurry um but it turns out it, it wasn't a copperhead it was a it was a, a timber rattler uh and uh on so, the water so, uh, so i was able to use that in the lead and you know just kind of give some information about what kinds of snakes are are swimming and this was a pretty rare to see this but a lot of people think we have water moccasins uh in east tennessee uh, we do not we do have them in western kentucky so you know i was able to use that information just to you know give people 
just to correct some of the some of the myths and fears that people have about uh, snakes they see in the water around here. Sure. And I could see that being that's a good way to kind of describe the characters that y'all were. Not not everybody sees a snake and wants to go paddle toward it. There, there are a, <laughs> lot, a lot of folks who might be tempted to, to do the opposite. But that kind of um, brings us to another point of your um, your your storytelling um, uh, tools there, which is tension and conflict. And even, you know, even in that story, you can tell the, the tension when there's the there's the snake and then um, you know, conflicts resolved. Y'all got out of there. I'm assuming uh, got out of there unscathed. Um, but but tension and conflict is another essential part of storytelling as well. You said, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, of course, the snake wasn't interested in us, and uh, and and Drew did say he wanted me to slow down at, at a certain point, uh, and we didn't get very we didn't get very close close enough to take a picture. But yeah, sure. tension. Uh, I think uh, readers they always want to you know you always want to raise some kind of question or or leave readers wondering. Or, or begin with with a question or something that needs to be resolved in, in a piece, particularly a narrative driven piece. Um, you know, I, I think about when I when I did the outdoor column, I would think about trips. You know, that would be fun, but people don't just they don't want to just read about a trip that was off. Oh, we saw a wonderful sunset and we had a great hike. You know, there there has to be a quest or something that drives the the narrative forward. Um, so for the for my last book, I did a lot of things to sort of set up tension for myself. Uh, and one of them was to adopt Maggie, uh, a 10 month old puppy. Like, like I told you, sort of hyperactive. Uh, mm -hmm. so she provided a, a lot of tension and a lot of conflict. Her agenda on the trip was much different than mine. Um, <laughs> and let me just say, I, I won't give away too much, but, uh, we, we locked through the dams and, Maggie did pretty good on the first dam, Kentucky dam, which we locked through after dark, which was not fun. Mm. The next dam, we had some challenges. Uh, and, uh, so we, the, the lock masters were very friendly, but Maggie got a little bit restless in the boat. So let me just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, now I'll, I'll reveal more at the talk. Uh, sure. We had some challenges. Speaking, uh, speaking of speaking of building people. some some tension there. Now you've got me on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so another piece that I, I want us to get into here, because this is one particularly um, I'll be looking forward to this uh, this session because it's something I've always struggled with when it comes to writing. You're talking about beginnings and endings. Um, and for whatever reason, I it's it's. I'm fairly good at beginning a story uh, when I'm writing, but the ending is really a hard part for me. I know some folks it's the other way around. They really have trouble getting going, but the breakout session that you're going to be doing at story connect is, is looking at beginnings and endings, which are a, pretty obviously some of the most important sections of, uh, of anything anybody's going to write. Yeah, they are. And they're hard. They're a little bit harder with nonfiction. Uh, I write fiction too. So, so in fiction, you know, you can make people wonder who survives, right? <laughs> if sure. somebody's, if, if the narrator's going to, or not the narrator, but if your main character, if it's the main character is going to survive or not. If you're writing nonfiction, of course, uh, we know you survived because you wrote the book about it. Uh, so, <laughs> right. but, uh, I think, I think one thing, uh, to think about in, in ending, um, uh, nonfiction narratives, uh, uh, journalism feature stories is to save a little something save a little something for the end and, and sometimes you can you can connect it back to the to the 
Is this something you, uh, a question you raised in the beginning, whether it's a profile or, you know, a, a story that you're, you're involved with, um, those kinds of things can help propel the reader through, through, through a piece, uh, just, just saving a little bit of, a, of, a, of a complete answer to a question, for example, whether it's thematic or it has to do with it, with a character, uh, is one way to think about it, but you, you do, you do want to give the reader a sense of completion. Uh, it doesn't have to be a full blown conclusion, like in an essay. Uh, but I think connecting, connecting to something you raised in the beginning is, is one technique for, uh, for ending a, a feature story or, a, or narrative, narrative nonfiction. Perfect. And then on, on the beginning side of things, if folks are, you know, that's where po folks talk about, writer's block but I, I know when i'm writing a story a lot of time i won't necessarily start with the first sentence of the story you know you start getting down the facts and all that and then you come back to the beginning but you have some and i know that you you work with um undergrads too there um as a professor do you have some some ways for folks to to nail the beginning of the story because i mean we, we know a lot of the time with folks as scattered as they are today sometimes you you, you may only get the headline and then the first sentence or two uh, for a story to kind of hook them in Sure. I love beginnings. I love beginning stories. And usually I'll, I'll start a, I'll start a story different ways just to see how, how it turns out and just, ha, just to see how it affects the structure. Um, but I, I teach students the summary lead. You know, I, I, I teach them how to write hard news. And, and, and then when we get into features, we'll talk about different ways uh, to begin a story and even different ways to start hard news stories. But, but they know the who, what, when, where, sometimes why. Uh, way to start a story, but I, but I think there are variations with that, and and I think there there are a lot of different ways to hook readers into uh, in, into narrative stories and into profiles and those kinds of things. Um, one one thing, uh, one way is of course a quote, it's something that somebody uh, that you're interviewing a source says something really interesting. That's that's one way to start and put it into context and introduce a character that way. Uh, I think. Sometimes beginning a story in a crisis, like maybe not, doesn't happen at the beginning to place the reader in the middle of a crisis and then backtrack is another way to do it. I did that with my first book and I began the book by talking about a campsite we had in Alabama where we had a visitor who showed up and started asking us a bunch of questions and he was, he was inebriated. He was a, he was not sober, and uh, and and my my dog Jasper loves all people, and he growled at this guy. So that 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 put us on edge. So I so I start the uh, I start the first book that way, and and sort of backtrack from there. Got it. So I like it, and that gets back to the tension you were talking about earlier, kind of adding that element right, in there. Right. Sure. Well, the last thing I have for you, and I know there's there's a lot more that we talk about on the rivers or or any of it, but let's let's talk big picture here about writing in general. And you know, if we're if we're we're in a world where you know TikTok is a thing, I mean, you're on a college campus, I'm sure you see it all the time. There's got the you know the the Twitter. Um, we got the attention span uh, for the you know 240 characters for um, for Twitter. Does does good writing still matter? Why, why is it so important that we, that we spend the time that we take the time um, to really hone our craft and, and get better at, at telling the stories in it and at writing? Yeah, it definitely matters. I think, uh, 
I, I just taught a journalism, I taught a journalism class last semester and uh, I asked students at the beginning of the semester how they get their news and almost all of them said social media. And, you know, so I required them to subscribe to the New York Times. So they're reading the New York Times and they're seeing a difference in watching a TikTok video and actually reading a story that somebody reported on with some care, exhaustively ask good questions, uh, put things into context. And, and really gives some uh, some interesting uh, answers to questions that's raised by by an event or or in a profile, those kinds of things. So, yeah, I think I think writing is essential. And uh, even when you produce a video, there has to be some writing on the front end. And uh, it, but I think the I think the key for writers now is to recognize that, you know, we do have a lot of competition out there, whether whether it's news or any kind of any kind of content that you want to publish. And and you you've got to work hard to make sure that your writing is clean, it's concise, um, and that you're telling a good story that is propelling readers forward through through a narrative or, or what have you. Um, so it, it's a challenge, but but I think it's it's good for writers to recognize that challenge and, and to rise to it. And and a lot of that has to do with also making your writing vivid uh, and 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 making it making readers feel as if they're there with you. And there's a lot of different techniques for doing that. Uh, some of which I'll go over in the talk. There you go. That's a good, good teaser to the, uh, <laughs> uh, to the conference. I appreciate that. Well, no surprise there that, that, that two writers get on a phone call or on a podcast here and, and decide that writing does matter. So I appreciate you. Maybe we're preaching to the, uh, the to the choir here. Um, but I, I do appreciate you sharing those insights and I'm looking forward to um to those sessions at, at Story Connect. Again, if uh, anybody's listening, all the details are storyconnect.com. It's March 8th to 9th um, this year, 2023. And uh, we'll be in the Great Smoky Mountains. So you've got some good sessions during the day and then just uh, a gorgeous scenery uh, all right around it. So uh, looking forward to you being there. Th Kim, thanks for, for being a writing instructor and for being on this podcast with me. Thanks for having me, Andy. He is Kim Trevathan, an author and a professor at Maryville College and our writing instructor at Story Connect. I'm your host, Andy Johns, and until we talk again, keep telling your story. Story Connect is produced by Pioneer Utility Resources, a communications cooperative that is built to share your story. Story Connect is engineered by Lucas Smith of Lucky Sound Studio.